Atoyum, no, Atoyum, no, hot dog oil, the cotton mafia. What did he say? I'm rather embarrassed, General Solo, but it appears you are to be the main course at a banquet in my honor. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 457, Ritualizing Star Wars. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Yoda and Ahsoka to my Obi-Wan Kenobi, we've got Carl LeClaire and returning PhD student from the University of Virginia, Caroline Carter. Hello, everybody. Hey, Caroline. Hi, guys. So happy to come back again. So happy to have Slim. you back again. Yes, and, and actually, that's PhD candidate. That's right. Yes. As of what? As of what? Like a few days ago, right? Yes, just um, passed a huge milestone in my PhD uh, career. So now I'm a PhD candidate. So it means the only thing I have left to do is finish my dissertation in the next few years, hopefully. <laughs> That's so awesome. Congra- oh, Congratulations. That's Seriously, that's so much work. You. So, um, and I, you know, I just, I all, I all, I appreciate so much that you took the time to come on and do this. Cause I know when I, this kind of idea popped into my head, I was like, oh, I love talking about like our own little Star Wars rituals, which is exactly what we're going to do on the episode today is look at how we, how we as fans ritualize our experience of Star Wars. And I was like, I know exactly the perfect guest for this hope this episode because of our conversation with you about caves and all the like really cool religious study stuff you study and archaeology and all that totally rad stuff. And uh, I remember when we, when I talked to you about the day you were like, yeah, I'm totally in, but I just have this, this little bit of an obstacle between now and March. <laughs> so, um, so yes, super, yes. super excited, but that, it's behind me. Yeah. Well, so I'm ready to go. Yeah. Like you're no longer, we were just talking about this, that Caroline is no longer in the world of academia, a, a Jedi apprentice. She is now a knight just on, on the way to, mm-hmm. to masterhood. So, um, super, super exciting that we get to be your first knighted experience. <laughs> right special special show for sure (laughs) um but yeah like i said we're going to be talking all about uh ritual and star wars and uh you know ritual is such a it's it's a very human form of expression we're going to talk a little bit about how we understand ritual before we get into the the nitty-gritty of how star wars fans ritualize things um but before we hop into our, that, that conversation, just want to do a quick reminder for everybody that our This Is Madness tournament is continuing through the month, month of March, doing nothing but animated Star Wars top moments from across the animated shows. Um, so to all of you who are, are participating over Twitter and Instagram, thank you for playing along and 
Uh, we will, we're almost up to our sweet 16 as the time of this is released. Uh, our sweet 16 will be out soon. Um, lots of great stuff. Jason, I got to just say this real quick. I'm super bummed that Embo once again, didn't even make it past round one. Embo never makes <laughs> it far. I don't get it. People love stupid bounty hunters like Cad Bane, but Embo gets no love. Oi. I don't get it. Oi, watch, watch it, sir. <laughs> um, Pretty sure Embo has a combined screen time equal to Cad Bane's first episode. Um, so there's your answer. Uh, I mean, Embo's cool. He's really cool. Yeah. But he mumbles in pseudo-alien French. Yeah. Um, and has a hat and a dog. Yeah. And that's it. Who doesn't I have mean, a cool hat I'm and a dog? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Um, what do we have him up against? Uh, again this time oh my goodness it was his sledding with his hat and i don't even remember what it was against but it, it lost so lost yeah. to something in my mind that was forgettable so <laughs> maybe he'll come back in the live action like ahsoka or mandalorian was, season three i was i was and we'll have more love for embo <laughs> i was secretly hoping he'd show up in book of Boba Fett. i mean i i get why he didn't but um mm-hmm. i was really hoping he would all right where was he all right he was up against Oh, Hera's first flight with the B-Wing, which is a great moment, oh, but come on. I did vote for Echo in that one. Well, so did I, and I almost cheated and just said, screw it. I, I created the list. I'm going to make him win. <laughs> so, But I will, not, I will not do that. I, there's there's no power. dictators. There's no, there's, there's no Palpatines <laughs> in the Wampus Lair. Um. <laughs> I am the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, uh, Ritual and Star Wars. Caroline, what is Ritual? How do we understand it? What, what, yeah, I, it's so funny because before we started, you're like, so who's who's guiding this? And I was like, oh, don't worry. Well, this is going to be a team effort. And here I am just throwing the first hard question at you. So uh, No, no. It's, uh, I laugh because I think what is Ritual is like um, the million-dollar question, you know? I mean, this is... In my uh, PhD exams, I had um, one of my topics was on the archaeology of religion and ritual. And I just I had to read so many different theories and scholars about, you know, from like 1700s up until now, what they're thinking ritual is and how to define it. Can we even create this all encompassing category and things like that? So that's why I laugh, because. Uh, I don't, I, how do we define it? But we'll, we'll get somewhere. We'll, we'll come up with a, a consensus. But um, I mean, the, I think the basic fundamental definition, if I have to posit something just for our purposes of today, would be to say that it's, um, it's a behavior, right? It's a way of acting um, that kind of distinguishes itself from normal, quote unquote, normal behavior. And so those ritual Actions can be then, I think, separated into religious ritual and non-religious rituals. Like um, if we think of an American culture today, which is you know separated from church and state. So we have kind of this conception of the sacred and the non-sacred. Uh, like graduation, for example, would be a non-religious ritual where it's kind of like a rite of passage, right? You're finishing one academic pursuit and then venturing off into your next, you know, your job or continuing your education or something like that. That's a ritual that, um, which we can even talk about like symbolisms that are enveloped in that. And it's, um, I've already, you know, talked, identified that that's an, um, 
at least just for you know purposes now like an american thing i isolated to a certain group of people so you know a personal and community aspects are involved in that and then of course you have the religious where uh you know maybe easter would be a good example of a religious uh ritual so that's where i would start Mm. um to define it yeah i i think the the caveat for that i that i'm going to add just for the sake of our conversation mm-hmm. is also i think ritual is it's all those things it's something done outside the ordinary it is it, it and it is physical right like there's something mm-hmm. there's a physical component to it but it also allows participation in something beyond yourself right so like obviously in the religious context a ritual is about participating in some form of divine communion um, non, mm-hmm. you know, secular ritual is about participating in something bigger than yeah. yourself. And, and, you know, like, and I think for me, that's the, the important caveat, especially when talking about ritualizing star Wars, cause it's about participating in this, this galaxy far, far away. Um, and, and mm-hmm. we'll get into the intricacies of that a little bit later, but yeah, you know, it's, it is something out of the ordinary that allows for participation and, and, and oftentimes ritual is done in community. Right. So it's about it's about creating a sense of community um, through those physical gestures or motions or actions. Mm-hmm. And those are aspects that, that will I know we will touch on through our conversation is that you have these rituals expressed in the community environment, which we'll say is our fandom. And then also on a more personal level, which we will also talk about our, our own personal rituals that we've developed and how that um Derives meaning for us mm. um, and our experience in in handling the Star Wars fandom. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, there's a, a whole lot of, of of stuff to get into, and uh, Carl, where do we want to start this conversation? Well, I thought just for the the sake of f- some fun. And uh, maybe I'm, I apologize if I'm catching you both off guard with this, but I want to just take a, a second to look at a couple of parts of Star Wars that have ritual built right into them. Um, mm-hmm. So I started the episode by playing a clip from the, uh, of course, beautiful Bright Tree Village where Han Solo is about to be cooked um, <laughs> for their new golden god C-3PO. Right? There's a ritual mm-hmm. going on here. Um, there's a ritual storytelling to that, to that a little bit later with three PO. Um, so we see ritual in star Wars. Um, you know, so that moment on Endor, you know, they've, they've got these captives that they want to offer up to this new deity that's in their presence. Um, so this act of cooking humans, (laughs) um, and then participating (laughs) in eating them, which of course, like we, we of course look at that in kind of a silly, almost derogatory way, but cultures throughout history have, eaten human beings, right? Like it's not like Mm -hmm. we, we consider it savage in our modern sensibilities, but it really wasn't, you know, for a lot of indigenous native American traditions, they ate parts of parts of people sometimes because there was something very ritualistic and symbolic about it. Um, It wasn't grotesque in our, as, as we would see it today. So I think in that scene with the Ewoks, right they're they're conducting this ritual in such a way that they're honoring this new God of theirs. Um, 
I mean, for any of us who come from the Judeo-Christian tradition, uh, the the ancient Israelites were obsessed with like butchering calves and goats and stuff to offer the blood up to God, and then they throw the blood on themselves. So like, there's some crazy crap. <laughs> there's just some crazy rituals out there. Uh, so yeah, I think like even that moment in Return of the Jedi, like that's a ritual. They're they're it's a way for them to express respect and gratitude for this newfound God in their midst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, blood, well, we, I would call that maybe a blood, blood sacrifice, which includes human and animal sacrifice. But and what I study in the, in the Greco Roman world, I mean, of course, like so many animals were, were sacrificed to their gods and that it involves, it's the process of, it's communicating with the gods and there's so mm. many emotions involved within that. Like I remember that scene distinct, you know, they're happy that they have these captives that they can dedicate to or, to their gods and they can appease them and then uh, receive things in return. So they're happy. But then also in that, within that is like their fears of, mm. you know, you know, if we don't do this, then they could be mad. And, and so I think even, you know, thinking about what we'll talk about today, emotion will be another element that is tied in with the ritual activities that we'll discuss today that aren't so explicitly i don't want to say that the are having like a religious <laughs> experience per se, but, uh that talk, that cross on those borders of like religious and non-religious yeah tell them if they don't do what, what? you wish you will become angry and use your magic yes exactly must do that fight against my programming uh <laughs> To personate a deity? <laughs> it just wouldn't be proper. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah um, uh, but I think, for me, the most shining example of a Star Wars ritual was so much of, of episode two of Book of Boba Fett. His, his time crafting his gaffy stick into that ritual dance at the end of the episode. And um, there's a great article uh, written by Jordan Mazin, and he's 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 written a lot of great stuff about Star Wars. Um, he put out a beautiful article about those episodes, and he comes from an, uh, a Native American background. And he talked about the importance of of that representation of of indigenous people's culture. Um, but yeah, I mean that that scene of of Boba Fett, you know, he goes out on his spirit quest, but then he comes back with that that chunk of wood. That then there's this ritualized performance of of making that your own um you know it, it's it's about becoming part of the tribe i mean really so much of that last part of the episode i mean him being robed you know the music that's being played there the way that they wrap him there's such a ritual to it there's something so physical about it it's not simply about changing his clothes it's about changing his identity um, you know, mm-hmm. by being wrapped in these in these new clothes he is now part of that tribe and then each subsequent aspect just makes him a deeper part of that of that tribe from you know they're a warrior culture so he needs to have his warrior's weapon so he he gets to craft it in his own way and then he then leads them in their in their dance um which by the way it's just so cool like that whole dance was uh based off of um i think it's it's pronounced morai which is the indigenous tradition from new zealand that tamura morrison is Mm -hmm. part of um so you know I, i think that was such a beautiful example of, of ritual in Star Wars. Yeah, it was really great. And, it, and it's um, not only it's sort of a, a ritual of acceptance into the, the tribe as a whole uh, for him as an outsider, but it, it seems to me 
to be a ritual that is sort of a coming of age ritual mm. that every Tuscan will have to go through at some point in order to become like a full standing member of the tribe, you know, not just a youngling. Um, so, you know, not only does he have to, you know, join the tribe, not only does he get to join the tribe, but he has to perform this coming of age ritual in order to be fully accepted as well. Um, and so that again, sort of toes the line of religious and non-religious in the way that Mm -hmm. it's operated. It's more non-religious, I think, but it's very much, um, almost shamanistic, you know, in in a, Mm -hmm. you you know, spirit, uh, you know, world. So it does kind of tread into the religious ritual aspect a little bit, but it is, it definitely seems to be something to, at least from my perspective, something that's very much a, a sort of a coming of age kind of a, of a quest that everyone in the tribe has to go through at some point. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that actually, it makes me think of the example I talked about with graduation, right? You're all wearing these robes that everyone recognizes as, significant as as like as a symbol of this academic achievement and then you're not fully graduated until you've received your diploma and you've like turned your tassel over there's all these certain steps that are centered around clothing right that um i mean you're not necessarily into a specific tribe per se but you're in a different you know class of people a different age group um so so, and that's what we said was a more secular example. So I think, uh, yeah, there, it, it can dance on either line of how we want to call it. But I knew I was hoping we would talk about the Tuscan Raiders <laughs> scene. It was such a, a good um, example of ritual and also, you know, paying om- homage to indigenous peoples, especially Tamora. Hmm. Um, so in his own cultural background. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. The, and then the last thing that came to mind was, and, and there could be others that I, you two are welcome to share as well, but I was just thinking of the Jedi funerals. I mean, we get one in episode one with Qui-Gon. Mm-hmm. We get one, we get a fake one for Obi-Wan and Clone Wars when he fakes his death. Um, I think we also get one. Oh my goodness. I, Jason, I kept blanking on the Jedi's name who's killed at the Citadel. Uh, even Peel. Even, it is even Peel. Okay. Um, yeah. But we also we get the big one um, in the uh, episode uh, "The Jedi Who Knew Too Much" when there's the attack on the Jedi Temple, and there's like right. six. Yeah, there's a, a big funeral yeah. um, that everyone attends. Uh, six Jedi die, and um, which is a really big one. And I remember that because it's one of my favorite pieces of music in Clone Wars. Plays there is one of my favorite statements of the Force theme. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a beautiful kind of scene um but yeah the the idea it seems the idea of, of, of burning the body mm. is sort of symbolizing being able to release the the spirit into the force you know that that person their essence into the cosmic force and you know so they can assist us from the beyond or or experience the the fullness of the force now that they're no longer tied to this mortal plane kind of a thing so um, yeah well, right. And it's like my favorite ritual in Star Wars. Yeah, perfectly on it. Well, and, and rituals inform us about what we believe in in a lot of ways. And, th- and again, that doesn't even have to be religious. Um, but why are they burning the bodies? Like you said, I mean, th- why do they burn Qui-Gon at the end? I mean, by the way, mm-hmm. that must have stunk. They're all just standing around it. Like, have you ever smelled burning hair? Like, this is a whole body. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, 
it, to me, it's like it, I feel like it's so beautifully anchored in that line Yoda says in 1980 to Luke, you know, luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. So, of course, when a Jedi dies, they are going to burn off that that excess <laughs> flesh. Yeah, actually, if you don't mind, um, I found uh, Yoda's eulogy from that that uh, big funeral that they had in the Clone Wars. Um, and he does mention the luminous beings uh, what is thing it? again. He gets, yep, he says, what with the force they are. And our job it is to remember that we will in time also pass on. Luminous beings are we. Our temporary vessels, our bodies are. And we shall find ourselves here in time. A moment of silence, I ask, to remember and to move on. He's so Gnostic. <laughs> <laughs> but yes it's uh, also very, Buddha, very buddhist sounding too oh mm. yeah yes um yeah yeah so i mean there's right these rituals are clearly a way of informing what matters what we believe um and of course i can't believe i was almost remiss you know the the gathering is one of my favorite episodes of Clone Wars when they go to Ilum to to look for mm-hmm. their Kyber crystals right like that it's a ritual right it's this um, kind of to your point you've been making Caroline it's a it's a what do you call those rituals when it's like next step in life <laughs> I don't know yeah um, like a, uh, coming I'm, of age coming, yeah. I don't know the yeah initiation right rite of pass rite of passage rite of there passage. we go that's what it is yeah. right <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so it took it took three grown adults with college degrees to get to that one eventually. Um, <laughs> it's late. It is. It is. Um, um, I I also was thinking about the the caves um, in our last talk when I was on. Um, like you said, this uh, finding your kyber crystal to construct your lightsaber. I mean, all of those I would say are ritual you know, activities for the Jedi. So, um, I mean, even too, if you think about younglings having a specific hairstyle, Mm. I'm sure there would be like some sort of ritual to create that hairstyle. And then I imagine that with eventually at a certain stage within your process of becoming a Jedi, that you would cut the long braid off and cut your ponytail off, which is a common um, rite of passage for people is cutting hair during these specific stages of life. Mm. So I think, the whole Jedi experience would be filled with rituals, which is an interesting thing juxtaposition to think about what we were talking about with the Tuscan Raiders, um, the Ewok. I mean, all of these different communities of people and how these rituals, like you have said, express their beliefs and their, their, um, the way they see the world and things like that. Yeah. I will say the, the Tarakoski, did I say it right, Jason? Uh, Tartakovsky. Tartakovsky Clone Wars series overall is not my favorite, but I will always remember the scene when Anakin is knighted and they cut his Yoda uses his lightsaber mm. to cut his Padawan braid off. Um, oh, he sends it to Padme. Yeah. And then he gives so. it to Padme, which is beautiful. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, Star Wars itself is, is ripe with ritual. Um, yeah. So, well, and sorry, just to, mm, just to yeah. tack on to the, the Padawan braid thing, when Ahsoka leaves at the end of season five of the Clone Wars, you know, she doesn't have a hair, but she's got, a, you know, a ritualized mm, braid. Right. She takes off and hands to Anakin. Yeah, so that's right. true. Her, uh, her beads. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her beads. 
it's her her Padawan beads, or you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she she takes it off and hands it to Anakin um, at the very end there when she when she leaves the order. So it's fulfilling that ritual. That is a ritual item, and she's no longer part of it. So she has to give it away, give it up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so there's obviously plenty of examples within the Star Wars stories of ritual. Um, so, but like we as Star Wars fans, right? We, I, I think whether we know it or not, and, and I think sometimes people are, are maybe hesitant to use the word ritual, right? Because it, for a lot of culture, it it does elicit a sense of religiosity. And if you're not a religious person, you might be, you know, hesitant to use the word ritual, but we all have rituals, right? Like, and, and to me, I, like, whenever I talk about this stuff, like to, to young people, um, I mean, you might, I mean, we all pretty much have a, a, a morning ritual, right? You get up, you eat breakfast, you brush your teeth at this time. And then you, you know, like some people just call those routines, but routine is another word for ritual, right? Like we, they're not one in the same, but they're very similar. Um, and, um, you know, I think we as Star Wars fans, the way we celebrate Star Wars, the way we participate with Star Wars, inevitably we create rituals, um, and I think like uh, to start with the biggest one, cause it's right around the corner, even though I don't think any of us are going to be there, uh, is the celebration. Uh, this will be the first year in a while. Jason and I won't be going. Um, right. but, uh, Star Wars celebration, right? It is, it is a ritual. Um, and it's about bringing the fan community together to celebrate their love of Star Wars. Um, and, you know, there's there's so many intricacies that go into celebration. And I think, you know, standing in line, right? I think um, <laughs> and this is true. I, th- I would argue of like any any comic con probably, too. You know, I think they're, they're kind of one and the same. But standing in line is part of the ritual. Right. Uh, I mean, I I grew up Catholic. Uh, I'm Episcopalian now. Right. Sunday, you go to communion. Right. You get in line and you go up to receive bread and wine. Um, Right. There's something about standing in lines that is part of ritual. And it's Star Wars celebration. You stand in line to go to a panel. You stand in line to get some sort of exclusive merchandise release. Right. And it's that standing in line. You're there waiting. There's a sense of anticipation in that ritual, you're anticipating excitement. You're anticipating uh, a communal experience. Um, you know, and I think the ritual of standing in line is an opportunity to connect with people. Um, and you're stuck with the people around you for, you know, up to three, four hours, depending on what you're in line for. So, you know, you, you, Unless you're, you know, completely absorbed in, you know, whatever music you've got or something, you're going to end up talking to somebody eventually, which means you're going to have to connect and you're going to be able to share, you know, experiences and, you know, conversations. And it's happened every time I've been in line um, at a convention. So, you know, and it helps when, you know, at celebrations, Carl, as you know, uh, you know, usually the first big thing is the new the panel for whatever new movie and the new trailer that got released. So everyone's talking about it the entire weekend when you're in line. So you just turn to the person next to you and say, so how about that trailer? Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a it's um it's a way to increase your own personal community, right? That's a huge this is a large community gathering, but to it's a a, bit, a way to socialize and enhance your own friendships and your own bonding with other people, which is just human nature, right? To have social interaction. Um and two, in your point about the waiting in line, I was thinking about how significant rituals they they're not easy right i mean again my analogy with graduation like it's long you're outside you have to wait for your name you know there's there's a lot of this the same idea of like it doesn't come easy to become either initiated or incorporated in part of this community that you're wanting to enter at the different stages of you know whatever you're wanting to do i would say star wars celebration is like the ultimate pinnacle festival that you can attend as a star wars fan and so you have to put in your dues to get there and to experience everything it has to offer yeah that's so that's, true that's fair. <laughs> that's fair i'd say mm-hmm. now you know um the you know galaxy's edge at disney is also pretty pretty close up there but celebrate oh, yeah. i think celebration still kind of holds the top spot um mm-hmm. as far as the star wars fan mecca if you will. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's celebration. And then, you know, again, I think this would be analogous to say in a comic con, they are uh, a nerd's secular version of a religious revival, right? I mean, religious mm-hmm. revivals were huge in, in the U S in the 19th century, right? Like they, they just swept across the country, the sense of, you know, really exciting camp meetings where you had exuberant, preaching and reading of the gospel and singing and dance um the celebration is all of those elements in a lot of ways um and what unites everybody is our shared love and experience of the star wars galaxy that star wars story i mean it's this grandiose myth that brings people together um from across all the divides that exist racial you know gender uh, economic, you know, all of those things for the most part are, are, you know, have an opportunity to be ignored. Those boundaries can, mm-hmm. you know, you enter this liminal space in a, in a lot of ways. Um, unless you want to go to the galactic star cruiser, cause you need to be filthy rich to go to that. I'm sorry. I just need to, I need to yeah, slam that real quick on air just cause I, I have so many issues with that place. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not not to be I a mean, Debbie Downer, but uh, I'm not that rich. I'd so. love to experience it, but oh my goodness, there ain't <laughs> no way it's happening anytime soon. For yeah, me. <laughs> uh, for but, sure. But regardless, right? Like I think there things like celebration for for a lot of people are accessible. Not everybody. I mean, it's still a privilege to be able to go. Um, but it's it's an opportunity to come together to just celebrate that love, um, and that's. You know, that's there's there's a ritual to it. I mean, the fact that they're biannual, you know, it seems like they're going to be continue to be that way probably for the 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 long future. Now that it's in Disney's hands, I think we'll have a celebration every every other year, if not every year. Um, But it's this opportunity for people to come together to celebrate that thing that they love um, and to celebrate something new coming from it. So, uh, yeah, you know. And, and and some people take it, you know, to to you know further points by you know joining groups within that community, mm-hmm. like you know the Five Hundred First or the Rebel Legion or whatever. And every time they go to an event like a celebration or a, a local convention or 
girls, they, they dress up uh, to, to be these characters. And it's, it's another, you know, aspect to that uh, ritual for them. It, it's, it's part of what they do to enjoy these other things, these bigger things. So, um, you know, if, if I had a costume that I thought was good enough to be in one of those, those groups, I would probably be part of one. Uh, but I, I don't. So, um, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely, a, a, an interesting aspect to all of that, uh, that I, I always like to see. Uh, it always makes it more fun when you see all these people in, in their costumes. Um, but, you know, uh, it's, it's just another level that people will, will go to sometimes, you know, and you've got, you know, the droid builders, or you've got the, uh, people who are just the literature people. And all they do is they, they hang out with all the authors and they do that stuff. You know, there's, there's different subgroups within it. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, that's, that's part of how, you know, the fandom takes that ritual and adds, you know, more things or, or, or goes deeper into different areas than others. So, yeah. And I think maybe one of the most common bonds across all of Star Wars fandom is going to a new Star Wars movie, right? If you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to that new movie. And I feel like that's even ritualized. You know, you, you oftentimes you're going to go in a community. You're going to go with friends. And again, thinking of the folks that do when you dress up again, there's a, this, there's something around clothing. Um, you, you change your appearance and whether you, and maybe you don't dress up in cosplay, but probably likely you're going to be wearing some sort of star Wars paraphernalia, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, you change your physical like you, you, your physical body becomes an expression of what you're about to participate in, right? Um, lightsaber in or something. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, right? Um, you know, and I, you don't, you probably don't do that for every movie you go to, but for Star Wars, you do, because um, it's a way of just showing your love and appreciation of that world. Um, and it's in a small way, like you get to participate in it by doing something simple, like even just throwing on a, a C-3PO t-shirt or something, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was also going to bring up the, the cosplaying is, is the, it's a way of identifying yourself, you know, and also enhancing creativity, right? You can, if the more creative your costume is or the, how well it's executed, it can bring attention to you and, and so there's opportunities to, um, you know, stand out and make bigger and larger connections within the community through your dress. And I mean, my favorite, continuing that into what you just brought up, Carl, about um, going to the movies, right? There's also that process of waiting in line, camping out, as we used to uh, do to see the premiere, because there's there's this heightened importance on being seeing the first show right at the exact premiere, not even first day, but it's like the first showing yeah. to see it. And I always remember uh, dressing up or I would just sometimes too, I would wear as much Star Wars merch as I had. Like I had Star Wars leggings, Star Wars shoes, <laughs> Star Wars shirt, Star Wars hat, and I would wear like Leia buns. And so it's just like, how much love can you have is what is uh, prestigious in our fandom, which is, I think why, we're able to build these rituals because I, because as we were talking about with um, the Ewoks, right? It's, 
these rituals have in built in within in with them these emotions and i think all of those come to fruition in in these uh rituals that we're able to express and show our our love yeah yeah definitely and the interesting thing about you know going to see the movies is it's not just you know rituals in how you you dress mm-hmm. um showing you go to but it's also sometimes who you go with hmm. because you know sometimes it's like we always see the first show together so we're gonna go opening night and then i go you know I, like I, i'll go with uh you know my friend joey and kyle if he was still here in town we'd, we'd all go together to see the movie um you know for showing opening night and then over the weekend i'd go again with my family you know, so, but that was always like a day or two later. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's kind of the thing that, that happens is, you know, sometimes it's not just, you know, how you look or the, you know, the which showing it is, but sometimes it's, you no, know, I have to do it with this person because mm-hmm. they're the person I always do this with. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's part of that, you know, sense of community uh, that happens uh, around this stuff. So that's that's also a, an interesting uh, aspect to all of this, I think. Yeah, I, I, was, I was having an interesting conversation with a friend just a few days ago, and this is a little outside of Star Wars, but it, it, it'll make sense. So I was supposed to go to a concert Friday night to see John Mayer with a couple of friends, and um, the concert got canceled because he got COVID. <laughs> so it got rescheduled. Mm-hmm. And uh, the original date I was supposed to go with with two friends. I was super excited. They're also John Mayer fans. I was so excited to experience that concert with them. Um, but last weekend they had a family emergency come up, so they weren't going to be able to go. So I was going to go with a different friend. But as I was thinking about like who else can I ask, it, it really did come across my mind of like I can't just go to a concert with anybody, right? Like because I know how I want to be at a concert and who I want to be at a concert can only be fully realized depending on who's there. Um, you know, so, so to that point, Jason, right? Like I think we want to go to a star Wars premiere with certain individuals because these are the people that we can be our full on star Wars self with. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. like I, I, I don't want to go see a new star Wars movie with someone I just met yesterday. I want to go with, you know, my close friends, Greg and Ben, or if you're in town, Jason with you or something like that. Right. Because, these are the people that I can express that full part of myself with, um, you know, so, you know, cause, cause ones that will get it. Yeah. Right. Like we make ourselves vulnerable in those places. And I think, I think that's one of the beauties of celebration um, or comic cons in general is I think it, it draws, it draws that, that level of creativity out of people in a way that maybe they're not as comfortable doing that in their everyday life, but this is a place that celebrates that. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the reason, I mean, the reason you throw your hair into Leia buns, Caroline, and like where mm-hmm. all those things is because this is a story that you really love. And, and by wearing that out there, like you're wearing that love on your sleeve, literally. <laughs> and mm-hmm. right. Like it's, it just, it changes the way you go into that experience. Um, yeah. I, just to give a, a personal example of that, when I went to go see the premiere of Solo, a Star Wars story, um, the moment, you know, it's the end of the movie, and the moment the, you know, Darth Maul shows up on screen, I just, my jaw is in my lap 
and I look over at Joey and his is too. And we just sort of just look at each other, you know, mouths wide open, like, Oh my, I can't believe they did this. This is amazing. This is cool. Without having to say a word, mm-hmm. we all just, just like, ah, that's amazing. If I had done that with my dad, he'd be like, didn't he die? <laughs> yeah. <You know>? yeah. <laughs> so that, that's how that would, you know, and it would have totally have messed the experience up. Sure. So, but you know, that, that, that's the kind of thing, you know, that's, that's why, you know, sometimes you got to get that first experience of it with someone who knows someone who gets it. Um, so that's, that's part of, part of all that, but yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. So you can, you can truly live the experience without having, cause in that moment, right. You wouldn't want to just talk and try to explain it. You just want to have all the raw emotions and just focus mm-hmm. specifically on what you're doing. And that's what, you know, going with these, our select friends that we normally go with or ones who understand and going to these conventions, um, is able to provide. It's just like, so you can purely enjoy what you love and celebrate it more than you do every day, right? Mm-hmm. So that's getting back into the definition of ritual. It's like more than you normally would on a day-to-day basis or like in your alone time. It's sharing it at this heightened experience with others. Yeah. That's yeah. that's absolutely that's a great way of just designating it cuz I feel like mm-hmm. probably all three of us and all of you listening every day you probably in some way shape or form incarnate your love of star Wars, whether it's you, you read a star Wars comic or you read a book or you watched a TV episode, or you just randomly thought of a Yoda quote because you needed some wisdom, right? Like, but it, but it's in a different way when it becomes that ritual. It's like, Oh no, no, no. You know, May 25th, 2019 solos coming out. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to wear. Here's who I'm going with. Right. Like mm-hmm. there's, that's what ritual is. It's like, there's a planning element to it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So, well, that said, this is the part that I obviously have the most to say about because, and I think this is the most intriguing part is how we individually have, have kind of ritualized our own experiences with star Wars. Um, And, uh, and this is something I'm going to be curious for anybody who's listening to also send in some of their, their, their thoughts. Um, But I'm going to, I want to share with you. The first thing I want to share is actually where the idea of doing this show came from. So uh, again, I'm fortunate enough to have a a space in my home for a star Wars room. And it's, it's probably the biggest room in my house. (laughs) Um, So very fortunate. Yeah. It's supposed to, it's it's supposed to be a dining room, like a formal dining room. But I was like, who uses a dining room? Um, Like when you're in your mid thirties without a family. (laughs) Um, So it's a star Wars room. And every time I'm, anytime I'm going to do something in the Star Wars room, uh, so I have my big plastic bin of my old like three and three quarter inch action figures from, you know, childhood up through today. And it's, it's on the top shelf of the cupboard in the Star Wars room. So I have to bring a chair in as a step stool, get up on top and I pull that down. And every time I open it up, the first thing I do is I just stick my face in it and breathe in that smell of sweet plastic. Like I love the smell of a star Wars action figure. This is, I, I love smell. Even as a little kid, whenever I'd open a new star Wars toy, the first thing I would do was sniff it intensely. And I always, I always remember my mom saying, she's like, why do you smell it so hard? And I'm like, I just love it so much. <laughs> um, 
And, uh, and I still do. So that's one of the first things I do when I'm spending an evening in my Star Wars room is I just pull that, that big chest down, open it up and just stick my face in it and breathe in. And it just, it, it, it just like to, to you, the point you made, Caroline, it's, it just fills me with all this raw emotion. Um, and I, and I don't do it every day. If I did it every day, it would kind of lose that significance, right? Like it's, it's, it's always when I'm going into the Star Wars room to do something, whether that's put on one of the movies or I'm going to rearrange some things or set up a new display. Like that's the first thing I do to start the ritual of it is. And, and as a religious person, I love incense. So like to me, it's, this is my star Wars incense is the smell of an action figure. So you know, that plastic bin with that, that patented burp keeps that freshness in. So every time I open it up and stick my face in there, it's just like, yeah, like I breathe in star Wars. Um, that's, that's what star Wars smells like to me. Um, and that's ritual. Ritual is so sensate-driven. Uh, it is. It is. I, I think one of the big ones for me is the music. Um, and I, you know, I I don't physically read the books as much anymore, but I still do that with the comics, the graphic novels and stuff. Uh, so I'll get the graphic novel and I'll put on the music while I'm listening to it. I'll just pull up my Star Wars playlist, throw it on shuffle, and just let the music go. Um, but, you know, it's also anytime I'm doing anything specific um, that's Star Wars related, whether I'm pulling out my action figures to, you know, set something up or, uh, you know, some something like that, I always have to put on the music. And, you know, it is... I, I'm an audio person where Car- Carl's, you know, sensory and, and the smell is a big aspect. To him. I, for me, it's audio. So having that pumping into my ears takes me to where I want to go with whatever it is I'm doing. And so star Wars music is, is something that if I go a week without listening to anything star Wars related, you should check and see if I'm all right. So, (laughs) (laughs) what about you, Caroline? Well, um, I guess to provide another sensory <laughs> um, experience, I'm a very visual person. So I would say I have more rituals um, with watching the movies hmm. and the TV. Well, I guess I would specifically say the movies. And um, so like growing up, I would always watch Star Wars with my dad. And so I have developed rituals on watching Star Wars on certain days that were important for us, like his birthday or my birthday, May the 4th also, which we can add in as another community Mm. uh, day to celebrate Star Wars. And so with that, it's the process of remembering, um, you know, our experiences between my dad and I as a child through watching the movies. I mean, also listening, of course, you know, is involved within that. But it's the act of just playing the movie on that specific day that if I didn't do it, it would feel wrong. Like it, it's just, it's, it's created, I've created this ritual that adds significance to my life where in order to keep continuing, it's like, this has to be done properly, right. In order for me to properly celebrate star Wars or just, you know, continuing um, to honor my relationship with my father. So um, that's another interesting way in how memories tied into this and in our personal experiences and through ritual too, and how the senses are incorporated in with that and how it elicits these emotional experiences. So you could, all these things are like tied together, even if we don't think about them, 
mm-hmm. per se. Yeah. Um, and there are also rituals that develop when we're watching Star Wars too. I have I was talking to a friend earlier too about um, and telling him I was coming on the show, and he said he always has to quote the movies as he's watching. He's mm-hmm. like, I just have to do it. It, what, even if it annoys everybody, I just I have to quote along and recite, you know, the lines within the movie um, or it just doesn't feel like I've properly watched the movie. And so that's become a ritual where it's it's and again, that's part of expressing how much you love Star Wars. Right. You just you have to you have to do it. If I'm watching Return of the Jedi, I have to quote Palpatine as he says it. <laughs> Like that is this part of my watching of Return of the Jedi is welcome, Jack Skywalker. I have been expecting you. <laughs> you no longer need those, you know. And it, it annoys my brother to know it, it you know, end, but mm-hmm. he's used to it now, so he can get over himself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, I, I'm totally right there with your friend, um, yeah. Caroline. So. <laughs> I mean, I'll yeah. do it too. And then at some, some I know some movies I know more than others. But like, have you ever watched a movie with a friend and you both are quoting the lines, and then it starts to feel like a competition where it's like uh, that's happened for me. It's, it's like you have to express as much knowledge as you know about Star Wars as possible. Well, <laughs> I know, like, well, Jason and I created our own little rituals when we were doing our trips to California a couple summers in a row, where we were doing these Star Wars sacred sites. Where, uh, mm-hmm. like, we would be in the car and put on the. We it just happens to be our ritual is always Phantom Menace because it, we've got that full f- score for Phantom Menace. We put it on and just start quoting the movie, um, just to the music, which it's is super beautiful. fun. Yeah. So we get to be the dialogue with John Williams, of course, accompanying us. Um, uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think another big one for me lately, again, because I have the. The uh, the privilege of having a, a, a sizable Star Wars room. I mean, one of my favorite things to do is to just make a new setup in there. You know, like set up a new shelf or a new display. And as I'm doing that, I always have Star Wars music on. So, like you, Jason, I mean, I think that's a that's a huge part of my Star Wars experience too. Is when I'm doing something Star Wars related, I need to have the music on because um, it takes me into that world. Um, and the joy of like setting up a new display is it's kind of, it, it gets to be my way of expressing a particular part or scene or moment of the story that I want to make sense of that I want to celebrate. Um, you know, and I, I think of it a lot again, like, cause for me, star Wars and religion overlap all the time because they're my two biggest passions. Um, you know, churches, People take time figuring out how they want to physically set up a church, right? It's meant to elicit a certain sensibility. You know, Gothic churches with those high ceilings, it's purposeful that when you walk in there, you immediately look up. It's meant to draw your eyes to the heavens. Um, So when I walk into my Star Wars room, I think about what's going to draw my eye, what is going to pull me into that story. Um, And it's whatever's speaking to me at the time, you know, the Star Wars art I put on the wall, you know, like it, it creates a, a sacred Star Wars space in in there. Um, so whenever I'm setting up those new displays, it, it's this creative moment where I get to express a part of the story that I'm currently connecting to or excited about. You know, I, I've always lamented my inability to do art. I can't draw at all. Like I'm just I have no skill in that art form. Um, but this is my kind of 
my kind of response to that is, is all right, well, I'll set up a Star Wars display. I've got plenty of collectibles <laughs> to, to play around with. So what, what scene do I want to express this month or something like that? And as I'm setting that up again, I'm, I'm filling my ears with the sounds of Star Wars. Um, so it becomes this sensory experience of, I get to participate in that world because I get to tell part of the story. Um, and I think for almost all Star Wars fans, I, I feel like that's always rooted in our ability to play Star Wars as kids. I mean, I think that is the purest ritual expression of Star Wars is probably our childhood memories of playing with Star Wars toys, you know, just getting on the floor and telling our own Star Wars story. I mean, talk about participating in that galaxy. That is the fullest way you can do that. Uh, and again, and we've Jason and I have talked about this over the years doing the show, but how, you know, that sense of imagination tends to grow out of people, you know, like I don't get on the floor and play with my toys anymore because I just I just don't have that sensibility. Um, so I find other ways to do something similar, right? So setting up something like setting up a scene is playing with them, but I'm not going like pew, 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 pew on the floor anymore. Um, so, right. But I, I think children's participation in star Wars is so ritualized and it's so beautiful. And part of what makes it so beautiful is the fact that it's just so organic, right? There's no thought that goes into it other than, I want to I want to build into this world and I want to be part of that world. I'm going to shut yeah. up because I just talked a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's totally true. I think it's continue this like you're saying it begins for most people at childhood and so we carry we develop these rituals like you're saying whether we know it or not and part of continuing to interact with merchandise, action figures, posters, you know, cups. I don't. I don't know. I have a lot of Star Wars cups. Uh, <laughs> is it's to bring back those feelings and memories from childhood, and that's part of the the personal experience. Which I mean, it's not religious per se, but it's. I don't. I don't know how to define it. It's it's something that adds meaning to your life, and there's so much mm. lore within Star Wars that it allows you to explore so many different avenues and contemplate so many different things that um, are beyond just our, our regular everyday lives that it does create um, this, I don't know, spiritual sense that um, I don't know, is constantly being reinvigorated uh, every day when we interact with those things. Um, at least that's my experience. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what, one of the things that you mentioned uh that is a big ritual for people even, you know, beyond childhood is the aspect of collecting. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you, you add something to that collection, you, you know, you, for lack of a better word, Carl, you're making a shrine with your collection, right? You know, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. You know, for, if we want to start using the, the, that kind of language, mm -hmm. um, for me, one of the biggest aspects to my collecting is I have to collect certain characters, um, you know, R2-D2, Kit Fisto, Count Dooku. I have to get as much of those characters out there as I can. What a lineup. And I have... What a yeah. lineup. <laughs> I know, I know. It's such a lineup. It's it's, it's great. But, you know, uh, I have every version of the three and three-quarter inch Kit Fisto that has been released. That was by design. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, 
And I've got, I think, just about everything except for some of the uh, the statues of Kit Fisto that have been released. So, you know, uh, that's the one I've got the most complete of. But, you know, it is one of those things where if I see something that's, you know, R2-D2 related or Count Dooku related or something like that, I have to go and get it, you know. So adding to these characters and also just, you know, whatever I, I, I draws my fancy, but... Um, for me, the kind of ritual aspect is specific characters. I, I latch onto characters or, or scenes. Um, the big scene for me that I collect is the arena battle from Attack of the Clone. So mm-hmm. I've got more Jedi than I know what to do with. Um, <laughs> because they're all part of this battle, this epic battle. Um, I need more battle droids and stuff to, to even out the playing field. If I ever get a chance to do like a full diorama, because right now uh, the, the Jedi outnumber the droids like four to one. And that's just not fair. Um, so, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that, that's, that's, you know, part of how I ritualize that aspect of, of, you know, star Wars is, is characters or scenes. And some people, you know, it's like I, I, I we've got friends who only collect the classic, you know, nineteen seventy seven run of comics or something like that. You know, the the you know that sort of thing. So it, it's something that we all can customize to whatever is important to us, um, and and that's how we're able to continue, you know, moving forward with it throughout our lives and our, our star Wars journey. So, yeah. And I, th- I, I think at its core, um, and Caroline, I'm curious if you would agree with this at its core ritual is ultimately about drawing you out of yourself, right? It's about eliciting some sort of experience that detaches you from the everyday, um, mm-hmm. into something again, bigger. And again, that, uh, I, I say bigger because that can, that can relate to religious or non-religious. Um, so I think, no, I, I totally agree. Yeah. And, and I think the ability to go into my star Wars room, put one of my old star Wars vinyl records on, turn that music up and just start creating on those shelves. You know, there's a ritual to it. There is, as I'm participating in that, I get to be part of Star Wars. Um, I get to tell mm-hmm. part of the Star Wars story, even if I'm the only one who experiences it. Uh, I mean, I'm always super anxious to have like uh, Greg and Ben are my two closest friends here in Boston who love Star Wars. And any chance I can get to them to come over, I just love to show off my Star Wars room because it's like this is a mode of my expression of what's speaking to me in Star Wars. And I always love it when they invite me into their Star Wars spaces. Um, like Ben's got this awesome Star Wars diorama Lego set in his basement of Moss Eisley, and it's just constantly building and growing. And it's, you know, it's so cool to see his expression of what he connects to in Star Wars. Greg has a beautiful growing Star Wars library in his Star Wars room. And it's, it's so magnificent. And it's like, okay, well, this is the part of Star Wars that really draws him in, you know, and and it's, it's just so exciting for people to share those spaces with other Star Wars fans. When Jason was out visiting back in October, uh, obviously first time you ever saw anywhere I lived, Jason, but your, your wonderment in my star Wars room filled me with so much joy 
Because it's like, like it was so fun to get to share that with you specifically because you're my damn Star Wars co-host and close yeah. to your friend. But it was also just like, wow, cool. Like that's like getting to see your expression of wonder is like, yes, like I, I did it right. Right. Like I built something that <laughs> elicits that in another Star Wars fan. You know, you, you're like, yeah, I got it right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know, and I think that's, you know, that's the excitement of like walking into someone's Star Wars shrined space. And and I know, right. Like I know there are a lot of folks that listen to our show, Jason, over the years who have sent photos that, you know, they may not have the ability to have a whole room, but they have like this corner of this wall. It's like, this is my star Wars stuff. Right. And it's, it's an opportunity to express the part of star Wars that speaks to you. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I feel like I'm divulging a bit from ritual into just star Wars rooms, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, Star Wars rooms are a big ritual for a lot of people mm-hmm. in the family. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I've always thought about, you know, like thinking uh, morbidly um, if in the future, uh, you know, several hundred years from now, like if maybe if there was an apocalypse and then we have, you know, resurgence of uh, archaeologists come in, future archaeologists, and they find all of these Star Wars enthusiasts. What would they think? You know, they have this sacred, you know, quote unquote, this area that's designated from the normal parts of the house. That is their Star Wars room. Mm. They have uh, these action figures. And then if they were able to read books about Star Wars or watch the movies, they would see these religious elements and think like, you know, were these people worshiping Star Wars or what's going on? Like, I don't, I don't know. It's it becomes. um I think ambiguous because um, I don't know. It's such a personal and community experience um, that is is beyond ourselves, which is what we've just been talking about the whole episode. And, and it's worth to continue to celebrate. And we're lucky to be able to have these experiences. I mean, I was mm-hmm. thinking about like other fandoms uh, or things that I'm interested in, but there's not the opportunities to express ourselves in this way. Like there's not enough merchandise or not enough community involvement um uh, or ability to meet people on the streets you know like wearing star wars shirts and you make a friend like that's always happens to me so um i don't know we're really lucky that we have the opportunities to develop these personal and community ways of of celebrating it together mm. and it seems to just be getting more and more with all these uh new shows that disney plus is putting out and so i'm excited to see what new things are going to develop too Absolutely. It's a great point because, you know, one of my other big fandoms is Doctor Who, but mm-hmm. I don't really get to connect with people, uh, you know, when I go to a convention, you know, mm-hmm. of, of Doctor Who stuff. Like, I have a couple of collectibles and a couple of posters. The main way I, I you know, I experience my fandom in Doctor Who is watching the shows at home by myself, you know? Yeah. Mm. I don't, I don't get the, the big community and the big rituals and the big, you know, stuff in Doctor Who that I get with Star Wars, which is why Star mm-hmm. Wars stays my number one fandom. Um, but, you know, so that's, that's a great point because we are fortunate and kind of luck and lucky and to have this, this sort of built in like social code mm-hmm. that goes being a Star Wars fan. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Indeed. Well, 
I think that's a that's that's a great great place to stop. Um, you know, and like I said a little bit ago, any of you listening, you know, if you've got your own form of Star Wars ritual, uh, you know, through the you know, hopefully we gave you a sense of what that might look like <laughs> with our conversation. Uh, please send us those things that you might do because I always love to hear that. I always love to hear how other people um, make special time for Star Wars. Um, and we know they're out there. I mean, I had I talked to so many friends who shared their experiences with me that I didn't get to talk about. So, like, this is a, it's a common thing to have these types of experiences and develop these these rituals. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, Caroline, especially thank you for coming on in light of the fact that you've had a very busy couple of months. So uh, thanks so much for, for taking the time again to come on. It was I love talking about this stuff with you. No, thanks for having me. Hope to come again uh, soon this time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't think this will be the last time you, all of you listeners hear from, from Caroline uh, and maybe Maybe in a few years, we'll actually be able to announce her as a full PhD on the <laughs> show, too. So, uh, <laughs> instead of I just. I can't a- wait for the day. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> um, but, uh, Carl, if people want to weigh in on anything we talked about or share their, uh, their Star Wars rituals with us, um, where can people get in touch with us, sir? Uh, well, we are on Twitter at Wampas Lair. You can also follow us on Instagram at The Wampas Lair. You can always email us at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah, and like I said, the This Is Madness tournament is going to continue for the next couple of weeks. So that's going on both our Instagram and our Twitter. So if you're not on those and you want to play along, get involved. Participate. Ritualize. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely uh, and Caroline is there any place in particular if people want to reach out to you that they can do that um, yes uh, you can send for now send me emails are fine my email is clc2yz clc2yz at virginia.edu I'm working on making a public social media account so maybe by next time we'll have that up and running but um, for now email works perfect uh, and if people, you know, want to, you know, send something our ways, we'll forward it over to Caroline too. So that's Perfect. totally uh, an option as well. So, all right. Well, I think that wraps up this episode. Anything else before we go, folks? All set. Well, I'm going to perform this uh, ritual at the end of every episode. Thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the Wampas Lair Podcast. This has been episode number 457 Ritualizing Star Wars for Carl and Caroline. I'm Jason and we'll see you next time here in the Wampas Lair. <laughs>